Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Goal achievers. Hey, it's Hal Elrod. And uh, I wish you were sitting next to me right now looking at what I am looking at. And um, no, that is not my guest today, although he's a good looking dude as well. But uh, what I'm looking at is this gorgeous view. My wife and I and my children are staying at a friend's house. He has a, a, a house on Lake Austin. In fact, you know him. He's David Osborne, good friend. He's got this gorgeous house overlooking Lake Austin and our, our floors are being redone right now. We had a flood and long story, but David let us stay at his lake house and it's just, yeah, I wish you could be here to look at this beauty that is nature. Uh, well, that's not what we're going to talk about today though. We're not talking about nature. We're not talking about lake houses. In fact, I am introducing you today to a someone who's become a really good friend of mine, Jesse Harless. And uh, Jesse and I met a few years back. In fact, he's going to share our story of how we met and kind of how our paths have crossed. And I want to give you a, an official introduction to Mr. Harless here. Jesse is an author. He is a life and recovery coach. He is a group empowerment facilitator, a motivational speaker, trainer, and entrepreneur in recovery. And Jesse recently released his first Amazon bestselling book, which I own, I've read, I've implemented. And that book is called Smash Your Comfort Zone with cold showers. It's a very specific right topic and it's powerful. And I'll tell you, Jesse is the founder of Entrepreneurs in Recovery, a platform that empowers people in addiction recovery to reach their full potential. And he works with communities. He works with addiction treatment centers and programs in the Northeast United States where he trains and facilitates his entrepreneurs in recovery facilitation workshops. And I'll tell you, Jesse approached me at uh, one of our live events and at our mastermind. And he actually brought to me the idea of needing a book for recovering addicts in the Miracle Morning book series. And he essentially, and I'll have him tell you the story, but Jesse told me how the Miracle Morning was instrumental in his recovery, as well as a friend of his, Pete, that was there. And they both kind of said the Miracle Morning was a big part of them recovering and that there was a big need for it. And I have another friend, Joe Polish, who Jesse works with. And Joe is also a very passionate recovery. And after all of us kind of met and discussed the topic, Joe Polish and Anna David and I, we co-authored The Miracle Morning for Addiction Recovery. And uh, Jesse was a big part in launching that project and uh, the work that he's doing as a recovering addict, now paying it forward and helping others to overcome their addiction is just, it, it inspires me, it moves me. And when you hear Jesse talk about his mission in life and what he's up to right now and why he's up to it, you know I think we all have been affected by addiction in some way. And I think you're going to be uh, really inspired by what you are about to hear from my new friend, not new friend, old friend now, uh, Jesse Harless. Jesse, welcome, my friend. Hey, Hal. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. It, it, I mean, I mean everything that I'm saying. I, you're an amazing human being. And I really, I really value that you're really coming from a place of service and you've been through the depths of addiction and the pain of addiction and you know almost could have lost your life. And now you're helping others overcome and, and get through that on their end. So let's start though with, you know, we have a really personal connection and a personal story. 
we met, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was the first ever, first and only at this point, Miracle Morning Mastery and Co-Creation Summit a few years back, right? That was the first, is it the first time that we met? That's right. Tell our listeners, like, how did you end up there? How did that whole thing play out? Yeah, so I'll just start. 2015, I read this book called The Miracle Morning. And uh, the book, I ordered the book because I found an article on, I think it was Business Insiders about waking up early. And I'm not a morning person even to this day. But I, I was like, maybe I can learn in this book. You know, your, your subtitle of the book is what caught me. You know, and I was like, all right, you know, I'll give this thing a chance. And it, of course, it sat on my table for three months. I didn't even read it. You know, order on Amazon, just sat on my table. And then I picked it up one day and I read 100 pages straight. You know, it, it just caught me. And I... I started to uh, implement it the next day because I'd already been doing habits that were similar to that, that I'd learned to help myself with uh, addiction recovery. You know, a lot of the habits that you can do in the Miracle Morning directly correlate to helping someone thrive in addiction recovery. So I, I just decided to, to, to really go all in the next day. And, and, and I ended up that year winning, you know, the highest award my company had to offer. I hired a life coach. Like my, my life started to accelerate and, um, so during that time, I decided that I would go to um, you know this this head uh, manage, manager in my job, and I, I wanted to to really level up my career. And um, but at the same time, I saw this Miracle Morning Mastery Co Creation event. I was like, "Whoa! Well, I love the Miracle Morning book. Maybe I could become a master at it." I didn't know what that even meant. Miracle <laughs> <laughs> so I signed up. And ironically, the, right at the time when I got the job is when the event... So my new job, my dream job, um, I had quote in quotations, dream job. I, yeah. um, I got accepted to this Miracle Morning Mastery event. And I was like, well, that's cool. I just got my dream job and I'm going to meet my, uh, my mentor. How outrod. This is great. So yeah. So I, I essentially went off to Chicago to the Miracle Morning Mastery event. And just to let you know, there's a lot of synchronicities. Of course, I, I went into the room super intimidated. I brought my best friend, Pete Marston. And yeah. I walked into the room and there was an empty chair next to me to the left. And, and there was a bag on the chair, but I sat down and, and this guy sits down to me, next to me and I say, Hey, how you doing? And he goes, Hey, how you doing? My name's Ryan. And I'm like, Ryan, nice to meet you. And I find out this is Ryan Snow, the <laughs> guy who wrote the book that I was reading so that I could implement at my new job to become better at sales. And which book is that? <laughs> the mirror, yeah, the Miracle Morning for uh, Salespeople. So the Miracle yeah. Morning for Salespeople. So, so I'm sitting next to the guy uh, who is who wrote the book that I'm currently reading, and so, so that weird. was the start of these massive synchronicities. And wow. yeah, so that event is where the seed got planted deep. And I, of course, I signed up for Best Year Ever there, and you know that's where it really began. And and I met you, and, and I just want to comment that you know I came up to the table, I met you, and you said to me. That the Miracle Morning book was actually placed in like the substance abuse section on Amazon or something, and yeah. I just remember you saying that, and I felt this deep like calling, like, "Oh man, there's some big work to be done if if that's happening." And uh, yeah, it started there. And yeah, it was it, somehow. You know, I know a lot of authors will put their book in like an obscure category to hit the bestseller list, and in no way did that happen. And I don't judge if an author does that; it's fine. But yeah, somehow randomly. Miracle Morning became the number one best-selling book in addiction recovery. And I went, wow. And I reached out to my, you know, Tiffany, my assistant, you know, Tiffany. And I said, I was like, how is, mm-hmm. you switch the, why is this in this category? And then I read some of the reviews around the miracle, the original book from people that were addicts or recovering addicts and how it had changed their life. And I was like, whoa, 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 Tiff, don't take it out of that category. <laughs> uh, and never in a million years would I have thought of, you know, I have 
personally don't really have, you know, haven't had a lot of addiction in my family. I mean, we have, we all have food addiction. We all have certain addictions, right? But hadn't dealt with it really blatantly. So it wasn't really top of mind for me. And then reading some uh, individuals saying how the Miracle Morning got them off of drugs or alcohol or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I went, oh, maybe this is meant to be. It was a, a mistake, you know, somewhere on the back end setting up the book that really was meant to be, if you will, and serendipitous, as, as you said. So you, you came to Best Year Ever. You joined our Quantum Week Mastermind. Yep. So this is the Achieve Your Goals podcast, Jesse, right? And the two big goals that you have set and achieved, you know, one of them you fully achieved and the other one you're on a journey on this mission. The first goal that you had was to leave your job, which is, I think, for a lot of people, if you're not in work that fulfills you, if you're not in work that pays you what you feel like you're worth or, or even just what, you know, the income that you'd like to have the lifestyle that you want, then I think that's a big goal for people is to leave a job and, you know, either go to a different job or start a new career or start a business, become an entrepreneur. But it's a scary, scary, you know, it can be a really terrifying uh, prospect, really terrifying goal because there's a lot of unknown and potentially a lot of risk. So that was a goal that you set and you did hit. And then now that has led to your... The reason you set the goal to leave your job was for your mission. So I don't want to tell too much of the story here. But talk about that. Why did you want to leave your job? Why did that become a goal? When did that goal become solidified? And how did you actually pull that off? And when I say how did you pull it off, I don't mean just logistically. Like How did you pull that off mentally and emotionally to overcome maybe any fears that were holding you back? Yeah. So I went to Best Year Ever. I went all in. I signed up for Quantum Leap Mastermind. And then March was the first retreat. And that treat, retreat in Austin was very emotional. Of course, you, you were you know battling cancer. It was just like a lot of emotions. It was my first ever mastermind. Like, I mean, I'm here in my first mastermind. I don't know what to expect. And I went there. I was really blown away. And you know, the, at that retreat, I had this idea. So how, how it really happened is... Um, Scott Groves was handed me a goal card, which, um, and this is at the end of the retreat, he handed me a goal card and he said, go ahead and write your biggest goal on the goal card and then text it to me. And I said, okay. And I wrote on the goal card, I wrote, write one book. And then I said, no, no. And I, then I put write two books and I'm like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, what's a goal that's going to scare me? Like, what's a goal that I'm absolutely terrified of? And it was yeah. to leave my nine to five job and be my own boss because I had just landed my dream job 13 years with this company. I'd landed my dream job, right? And now I'm writing on this card, leave my nine to five job, be my own boss by August 30th, 2017. And we're in March. So I didn't know how that was going to happen. I don't know anything about entrepreneurship except from this, you know, the QLM and your, you know, just learning from you and from people in that community. So I didn't know how I was going to pull off, but I just wrote it. I said, you know what? Let's just let the universe take care of this. I'll go ahead and just do what I need to do. And so about a month later, this idea of entrepreneurs and recovery came to me literally out of a meditation. It was like, you know, if I was going to... So I was posing better questions, right? Like if I was going to leave the job, when I leave hmm. the job, what would I do? And what would the name of the business be? And this name, Entrepreneurs and Recovery. I was like, oh, perfect. I'll actually learn how to become an entrepreneur. And then I'll help other people in addiction recovery to learn how to learn, uh, how to learn entrepreneurial um, ideas. You know, they don't have to be an entrepreneur. They could just learn how to to be self determined and ready to change, and just the principles behind entrepreneurship, and mm. that's where it was born. And so, just to speed it up, so I wrote August thirtieth, two thousand and seventeen, and I actually left my job August twenty fifth, two thousand seventeen, and it was actually a few days before the next retreat in Cleveland. And I remember getting on the microphone. I left my job on a Friday. And on Monday, I got on the microphone. I was like, "Hey guys, uh, I just left my job. So if this doesn't work out, I'm blaming all of you." 
I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So um, it happened. And you know, as far as the mindset, like I was already starting to play much bigger. I was setting goals and I was achieving goals. And you know, with my with my practices, right? I was doing the Miracle Morning every morning, never missing. You know, I was I was really intentional about my life and. Um, you know, when I wrote that goal, I was serious and you know, it, it all came together. I had no idea what I was actually going to do to make money. Um, but by the time I was leaving the job, it came to me like, Hey, I'll be a life coach and you know, I'll help people and, and, and really help them to achieve their goals. And, uh, yeah, it happened. So yeah, I wanted to, that's what I actually, my next question, and you just touched on it, which is logistically, you know, or kind of slash financially, how did you leave? Like, did you, when you left your job, did you have a handful of coaching clients that were bringing you X amount of dollars? Like, I'd love to kind of get a little bit nitty gritty here so that anybody listening is like, yeah, I well, like, how would I replace my income? And I'm happy to share how I did that when I left, you know, my job and became an entrepreneur years ago as well. But I'd love to hear, um, share whatever you're comfortable with. But the more detailed, if you're like, I was making this much at my job, I needed to make this much, even if you talk percentages, like, I just love to, you know, give our listeners as much clarity as they can on like, how does somebody, go from having a dream job that's paying their bills to no job at all and starting from scratch. Yeah, exactly. So I did the maybe the foolish thing. I didn't even have <laughs> coaching clients. I had one coaching client. He was coaching once a month. So I really didn't set myself up um, in a great way. But what happened was, I'll tell you this, that right before, let's say a couple months before, my Pete actually said to me, um, we mentioned Pete earlier. He, he, he was, you know, So he, he said to me, Hey, why don't you sell your house? If you're serious about this, you'll sell your house. You'll go all in. And I said, you know what? You're right. So I went all in. I sold my house. I downgraded. I went from my house to, you know, a condo and, and I just went all in. I sold it. I was ready to cash the 401k out, which by the way did happen. And, you know, but I was ready to go all in on this dream. You know, I had a mission, you know, and by the way, the mission of entrepreneurs recovery is to elevate the lives of people in recovery who might be lost, stuck and lack direction to gain clarity and live a life on purpose. So with that mission in mind, I was like, if I'm serious about this, I got to I got to do whatever it takes. And if it was selling my house, which is a, you know, it was a dream come true buying that first home, you yeah. know, in I said I'm going to sell the home and I did. And it sold in 3 days. It was like the universe was like, yeah, yeah, yeah hurry yeah. up. And you know, I mean, I put on the market first offer 3 days sold. And it was just that was the type of stuff that was happening. So I knew it was meant to be and uh, so that gave me some leverage, of course. That gave me some capital, and and you know, and then it gave me a little more confidence, of course. But you know, I jumped in the deep end without having any type of structure. I don't recommend that. Maybe you should probably set up a system uh, before you leave, uh, like yeah. you did. I did not. Yeah. Well, then let me speak on that for a second. First, I always want to say you probably told that story, and I must have just forgot it. But I had not realized or not remembered that you sold your house mm-hmm. and downgraded to a condo. And I love Jesse, like I, we could end the episode right now. And people are like, oh, so if I want to actually live the life of my dreams, I got to be all in. Like, I got to get serious. I got to make some sacrifices. I got to take some risk. I got, right? Like, I mean, that's, that's amazing. And yep. so to sell your house and then have, and to downgrade. So you've got that capital. You have that to float you for a while while you figure it out. What I did when I, you know, I had been uh, in direct sales for six years with Cutco Cutlery. And uh, from age 19 to 26, I think. And I decided I wanted to leave. And so here's just for anybody listening, this is another option of how you could make that transition. And I'm a big fan of making a transition where you do have as much security as possible. Like the whole burn the boat story or whatever, right? Just burn the ships and you know, no retreating. Like 
I don't think that's the best way to do things. I think that that creates a lot of unnecessary stress. If you put yourself in a situation to have to make money and you have to out of fear of losing it all, right? Now, can that work? Absolutely. But what I did is I... And I had a really similar path. I actually... I did the same thing where I transitioned into coaching. I decided that at that time, I had sold a bunch of kitchen knives. I didn't have a lot of qualifications beyond helping people sell. And so I started coaching entrepreneurs and salespeople, my colleagues, you know, and, and folks like that to make the transition. And I had uh, about five... I basically got... I think it was 12 clients at 500 a month. I could be a little off on that, but, but roughly $6,000 a month I had set up in income when I completely quit my sales job, right? And I saved 20 grand, kind of like you with the selling of the house, but I just I saved a little bit of money up into like the year leading up till that point. So my exit plan was I had a few thousand dollars, you know, probably three to five thousand dollars in income, which wasn't enough to pay all of my bills, but it was a you know create momentum in the right way. And then I saved 20 grand. So I had a little bit of a cushion to just pay bills for like four or five, six months. Mm-hmm. And that was my transition. And so, um, but I was all in as well. And, and for you, I like what you did was even just to me, it was more bold. It was like, yeah, dude, I'm selling the house. Like I'm in on this mission. That's right. Yeah. It had to be all in. So I want, here's what I want to ask you. So I think that that's a powerful lesson for folks. And it gives them like a real actual example, of, you know, and I giving mine as well. Like here's some ways that you can make that transition to quit your job and start your dream job or your dream business. So here's what I want to ask you is, what is the why? So like, tell people what your mission is. Uh, And I know you've already touched on it a bit. But Jesse, like, what is so important to you? And and by the way, I'd love to hear this on both the selfless, altruistic, mission-based side, which is great. But at the same time, human beings, we're also selfish, right? Like, we want to have good lives. We want to be happy. I don't think it has to be one or the other. It's like, how about I want to serve people and change the world and change people's lives while I make a fortune and have financial freedom for me and my family and whatever, right? So I'd love to hear both of those. What were your motivating factors for anybody listening that's like, yeah, I've thought about it, but like, I don't have a deeply meaningful why solidified to where I'm ready to be all in. Like maybe you can convince some people through just your passion and your why for other people that might go, you know what? He's right. I need to go over that line. So talk about that. What were your big drivers, both on the selfish side, on what was in it for you, and then on the mission side, on how you could serve others? Yeah. So one of the big things is is being in recovery from addiction is a form of freedom. And so that freedom is a really key freedom. And so that, that freedom allows me to choose things I didn't have options for when I was in active addiction. So having you know, uh, being in recovery and having that form of freedom was huge. That's number one. But the second form of freedom that I learned about through really through hanging out with you and your friends is, is the, the, is entrepreneurship is the, is being able to make decisions and bet on yourself, bet on your own capabilities. And when I was at my job, I was like, man, I'm working really hard to build someone else's dream, which is okay. And I'm grateful for that. But I know inside of me with that passion I have that I, I can take my strengths, my unique ability, and I could take that into something that could at least pay my bills. And that was the hope. As long as I could do something that would at least pay the bills. And I was willing to bet on myself. I was willing to bet on myself that I could at least pull it off. And of course, my friend's you know, my coach would say, Oh, you can definitely do that. So I had that encouragement. I had that recovery team, I call it, that was behind me saying, you can do it. And so really to build those support structures around you that are saying you, when you're sharing your dream with someone, 
that you have people saying that, yes, that's possible. That can happen. And so I had that support as well. So find those people that when you share your dreams, they don't crush your dreams. And so I just, you know, I surrounded myself with people that encouraged me and, you know, to be able to, you know, not lose focus of what was my mission and my purpose. And you might ask, I mentioned what the mission was of Entrepreneur's Recovery. Like this is a big tall order. You know, there's over, let's say, you know, 60 million people who are affected by addiction, probably a lot more that are actually, you know, either in recovery or that are struggling with addiction. They say there's 23 million people in recovery and there's a lot more in, in, in a, in a who are not in recovery from addiction. And it was a tall order to say like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to elevate the lives of, of this group of people to reach their full potential. And that was a tall order. But I was so driven to make it happen that I didn't need to have the how. I just needed to have the why. And so having the why was my own personal purpose and, and, and also the mission for Entrepreneurs Recovery. So it was something larger than me. It was like an entity that was larger than me that I would just show up with passion, authenticity, do the things I'm doing, and the answers would be revealed. But I had to step out and do that uh, to really write down goals on paper every day, look at them, and say, "This is what I want to do." You know, and you know, I hope that was kind of clear. I don't. I was. Kinda... Yeah, no, it was. So, I mean, personally, you wanted a life of freedom, and I don't know. Globally, I guess you'd say you wanted to make an impact for people who were struggling with addiction, as you were. Touch on that. Uh, sometimes I go out of order, but uh, I just realized that. I'd love for you to share your story of addiction, you know, what it was like at your lowest point and how you came through that, because that's obviously really, I know that's not part of the, well, it's part of it, but I know that's not the like specific to leaving the job, starting the mission, but it is the background of why this is so important to you. So what was addiction? What part did it play in your life, Jesse? And, and how did you overcome that? Yeah. So, I mean, addiction has been there all along. I mean, right from the beginning, people might laugh at this, but I was sucking my thumb, you know, even in the womb. But when I came out of the womb, I was still sucking my thumb all the way till I was about nine years old, probably longer than that. I just, I think it was nine. And, you know, people might say, well, how is that a problem? But the thing is, is it was a way to cope with pain. You know, I, I, sucking my thumb was a way to cope with pain. And, and so I, did that uh, every day. And even when I played sports, you know, I'd hide it because I didn't want to get made fun of. I didn't want to get, you know, harassed by my brothers. So I was already hiding something, something that was, you know, it wasn't that it was bad for me, but you know, it was, it was going to be a source of pain if, if I was caught in, in public. And so, you know, it started with that. And that was to cope with, you know, my father was, was uh, someone who struggled with addiction and, you know, he left at five and never came back. So there was some abandonment pain there and mm. you could say drama. And so, um, so when he left, you know, one of the coping mechanisms was sucking the thumb and it really, you know, became the tool. And so, but as time went on, you know, I'd find other ways to escape, to numb the pain. And the other ways were, you know, at 11 years old, I picked up internet pornography and uh, online gaming. And this wasn't just like, oh, casual. This was every day, you know, hours on end. And, and sometimes today that can almost, almost be normal, which is insane. Um, you know, where, where you, you know, kids are on their phones for 12 hours a day. And yeah. at the time, you know, it was just, it was isolation, you know, and I, I was isolating a lot. So by the time I got to high school, I was just like someone who is not only who is more introverted, but I was also now isolating. I was a highly sensitive person always. And so, you know, one of the ways I cope was with, you know, <laughs> addiction. And so, I could feel everything, you know, with people and and I didn't honor that. I thought it was a weakness and you know, it turns out it's one of my greatest strengths today. But 
I, you know, I, by the time I get to college, you know, I, I shouldn't even went to college in a lot of ways. I barely graduated my senior year. I was late like 60 times. There was an intervention. And this is, by the way, there's no, I wasn't doing drugs and alcohol. This is just like life was hard for me. Mm. It was just hard. Okay. And so by the time, you know, just now you got that, into, just to yeah. foreshadow, you ended up getting into drugs and alcohol later, right? But you're saying in high school, you weren't. Yeah. In high school, you know, I sampled, but it wasn't that. It was more of just like, you know, other addictions that people don't think about behavioral addictions, like I said, gaming and internet pornography. And, and, but I was sure. just like, I was just not fulfilled. Like it, there was just something lacking there. And I, you know, when I got to college, you know, my first semester, I hit every jackpot you can hit. I don't know if you can hit any more jackpots. I, I literally, I got arrested by a state trooper. I was caught for plagiarism. I failed all my classes. I got in trouble in a dorm. Like my first semester was disaster. And, you yeah. know, they let me back. And of course, I, I couldn't get the grades up. So, you know, within a year of that happening, um, flunking out of school. So now, by the way, you know, flunking out of school was a big deal because I was the first person in my family to attempt to go to college. So now I felt like a failure, right? So I had all these stories I was telling myself since I was a child that I wasn't lovable, that someone would leave me if they loved me. And now I'm 20 years old um, or 19 years old and, and I'm, I flunked out of school. So now I feel like a failure. And then at 20, my father actually passed away um, from alcoholism as a direct result. And so, you know, even though we didn't have a relationship, that triggered that trauma that had been stored there since five years old for me to just say, wow. nothing matters. And I went off the deep end. And that's where I started to jump into cocaine and heroin and Oxycontin. And that went on for three years until, uh, until an abrupt day when I was 22. So that was age 20 is when your father died. And then that's when you turned to drugs. That's when I turned to the hard drugs. I was okay, already sure, you know, sure. dabbling in alcohol and marijuana, but I turned to the hard drugs at 20. And tell me, I'm just, I'm curious. You said cocaine. What were drugs did you dive into? Oh, yeah, all of them I could get my hands on, but really like cocaine, heroin, Oxycontin, you know, opioids, the stuff that was just readily available. And so that was like three years of trying to manage those things. And by the way, I held the job for most of it. Like, um, you know, I was one of those, what you'd call functioning you know, yeah. addicts or, but I, you know, that all came to a head at 22, you know, at 22, I, you know, I escaped to Florida. I try to, you know, a lot of people with addiction, they try to escape it by moving or leaving and mm -hmm. geographical cure, but it, it doesn't work. Right. Cause I went to Florida and to like the pill capital of the country at the time, 2005. And, you know, I went down there and I, I had every intention of changing, but when I got down there, you know, it was only a matter of time before I was off and running and, yeah, it was yeah. 10 months of hell. I, I don't know how I lived through that, to be honest. Um, but it all came to a crashing halt at the end of uh, that year. And, um, you know, I was arrested. And when I got arrested, that changed my whole life. You know, I got arrested with federal felonies. I was facing serious time. And um, it was for my addiction to prescription opioids, Oxycontin. And, and, um, and, and life got real. And that's when I needed to... That was the first... At 22 is the first time where I needed to turn it on. It was the first all-in experience was 22. Is either I give up and I do the time and I just don't go for this or I go all-in and I see what's possible. And that was the really the start of the, the, the habits that eventually, ironically enough, when I read The Miracle Morning years later, what, 10 years later they were in a direct alignment with a lot of the practices I was already doing in the morning. It was kind of like destiny in a lot of ways. So was it age 22 after you'd been using hard for three years, that was when you started on kind of a personal growth path? Uh, yeah. So 22 is when I got into recovery. It's been 13 years now in recovery. And I, 22 is the age where I started to read books, 
state affirmations, uh, get my first mentor, you know, mm. uh, work hard, set goals. Like it started then. Yeah. What was your defining moment? What was the turning point that, you know, the fork in the road where you went from going down this bad path that could have ended in jail or death to finding recovery? I think the biggest, one of the biggest was, you know, being arraigned in a federal court and facing the time I was facing and seeing my family's face when I walked into the courtroom chained at my ankles and at my wrist, um, looking at seven years of my life being spent in a federal prison was a very helpful motivator for me to say, I've been asleep for the last four years in addiction, and now it's time to wake up. And that was kind of the epiphany. It was like, I need to wake up. I need to realize that I've just been in a black shadow for four years, and now I need to change this. So it was really the, the, the fear of losing my freedom for a long time. And I just turned on all these things. And I went through a lot. That first year of recovery is often the hardest. And you know, I had panic attacks every day. Um, it was a lot of battles, but I never gave up. I never gave up on the affirmations, working hard at work, and I, you know, and I didn't do a day in prison. And I think that was a huge um, win to say, like, man, if you do the next right thing every single day, you know, th- there's there's hope that something greater than myself is helping me to do to do the next right thing. And I think that's where I really learned it. So that that was the motivator that kept me going. Awesome, man. It's just such an inspiring story. And I know that during this journey and from this journey, you did set a goal of writing your first book, the cold shower book, if you will. Talk about that for a minute. What's this cold shower book of all the books you could write? Obviously, it's a very specific kind of niche topic. And I love it. I mean, I think you do a great job. The book's very short. People can read it, you know, in like an hour. And it's not just about taking a cold shower, but it's kind of a metaphor for how to break through any aspects of your comfort zone. So talk a little bit about that book and how it came to be and what it's about. Yeah. So, I mean, the premise of the book is, you know, I was, I was just going to call the book Smash Your Comfort Zone. And someone's like, well, your book's about cold showers. So maybe you should add cold showers. I'm like, all right, it's a long title, but I'll do it. Smash <laughs> your comfort zone with cold showers. But why I wrote the book is because one of the reasons is if you want to, if you want to achieve your goals, you have to get uncomfortable. You have to embrace discomfort. You have to live in the unknown. And so, you know, I was learning this along the way, but one of the things that was there, what the real reason why the book actually got on it produces, I was actually at that same mastermind QLM in March where I said I was going to leave my job. And someone there said to me, Hey, I shared my story. They, well, they basically said, Who are you? What, like, what do you do? And I'm like, Well, you know, I work at, you know, this company and I do sales and, and I also take cold showers every day. And she was like, <laughs> How the hell do you take cold showers every day? And, and I told her it was straight cold too. I take straight cold showers. And she's like, Well, how would you do that? Uh-huh. And well, you know, one of the reasons is because I've I battled with social anxiety my entire life, even as a child, and you know, and even in ten year ten years in recovery, I still was battling social anxiety, and so and it's a real thing. I mean, to the point where I wouldn't leave the house to go food shopping. You know, this was yeah. just like, wow. It was just it was a real thing. It was physical, it was mental, emotional. So I, I actually. A friend of mine said to me one day, you should take cold showers for 30 days. I said, no way. That's crazy. Why would I do that? It's December. You're nuts. And I (laughs) I actually said, you know what? You know, It was after my roommate at the time took the cold shower. I said, I'm going to do it. I can't be showing up at my own home. And I jumped into a five-minute straight cold shower, turned the music on. And it was like, I lost my breath. You know, I didn't have a method, right? I didn't have my book yet. I didn't know how to take a cold shower straight cold. So it hit me in the face. It was like miserable. But when I came out, uh, you know, not only was I read, but I certainly like had more energy. But two hours later, I attended a meeting that I always had. I always had social anxiety; I could feel it 
coming up. And I sat in that meeting and there was no social anxiety. And I said to myself, and I'm like a guy who loves to do experiments. You know, I love 30 day challenges. I love experiments. I was like, what is going on? Like, I don't feel anything right now. Something's different. So I said, let me do the 30 day challenge with these cold showers. And I took them through Christmas and I took them through New Year's. And the bottom line is like my anxiety that I had, that I had been familiar with my whole life was now pretty much eliminated, like to a point where I was like, this is insane. Like I don't... So what I did was with the cold shower. So really social anxiety was a catalyst, you know, um, for why I kept doing them. And then what happened was I was able to quit caffeine too. Like I was like, these cold showers give me so much energy. I know my excessive caffeine use is causing more anxiety. Like I got to stop lying to myself. Yeah. Yeah. And then eventually the cold showers within six months, you know, I quit caffeine and then like I, I battled other types of behavioral addictions and it worked. And I was like, what is going? This is like amazing. So, you know, That's I just, amazing. Going. yeah. It's one of those, the lead domino, right? You know, exactly. they talk about the book, the one thing that knocks over so many others. So um, let's talk about the work you're doing now, right? So you're the work right. you're doing with entrepreneurs in recovery and you're doing these entrepreneurs in recovery workshops. You showed a video, and I'd love if there's a spot where people can go watch this video. I don't know if it's on YouTube or what, but you showed a video of the work you're doing at our Quantum Leap Mastermind retreat a few weeks ago. And by the way, if anybody's listening and you're like, what's this Quantum Leap Mastermind? If anybody wants to apply, we are taking spots for the next retreat. And when I say we, it's me and John Berghoff co-host the Quantum Leap Mastermind retreat. Obviously, I could have Jesse talk about how great it is and all that, but just take our word for it. Uh, But go to QLM mastermind.com. So there's two M's in there, qlmmastermind.com. And you can get all the details there. Anyway, so quick little plug. I figured it was relevant for what we're talking about. But yeah, the video that you showed at the last QLM retreat, is there a spot where people can go watch that video? And you know that was just a video showing the work you're up to. But I'd love for you to talk about what you're doing now with entrepreneurs in recovery. Yeah. So... Um... Just right off the bat, if, if people want to go to recoveryfacilitation.com, that's where they can actually watch this video of the work I've been doing for the last year and a half. And so the work I've been doing is... I call it Entrepreneurs in Recovery Workshops and Facilitation. So essentially what I do is I go into treatment centers, sober living facilities. I go into residential treatment centers. And I actually run a group. And, and, and I call them you know Entrepreneurs entrepreneurs recovery workshops. And I run a one-hour group where I take people, men and women, through a process of tapping into their high-point stories or their low-point stories, believe it or not, moments of resilience. And we then go from there to tap into their strengths. And then we we do things like tapping into a future image um, into the future. And then what we do is we set action plans and goals all within one hour. Because obviously, insurance has a say in how long you can run groups at these places. So... We do this all in an hour, and I've been doing this over the last year and a half. And I and I and I started to see results. I started to see people get jobs. I started to see people stay in recovery. I started, to, and I was like, "This is really interesting." So I, 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 I now today I train others in how to do this method. I also still actually go into treatment centers. Actually, last night I was at one uh, sober living home with eleven men, and I went in and I and I taught this group um, about meaningful work. So we ran a group for one hour. Um, and I called it meaningful work, and that's the workshop. And I literally helped these men <clears throat> find out what did they love about work they've done in the past, and how can they use that to inform their future to do more meaningful work. Because a big thing with addiction is if you don't have a job, if you're not doing something towards, you know, a career or something, that that boredom, that um, you know, not staying active can be a huge trigger for a relapse. So you know, teaching people how to get jobs and how to be more entrepreneurial, which is what I teach in that group. It inspires hope like no other. So, 
you know, I that that's the type of work I've been doing. And you can learn more, you know, like I said, recoveryfacilitation.com. And it's really just launching as we speak um, to get it out there to the world. And uh, I'm I'm just super excited about that. Well, I'm excited for the work you're doing. And for anybody listening that doesn't know the behind the scenes, my friend and business partner, our friend, John Berghoff, he is one of the best facilitators in the world and now one of the best at training other facilitators. And Jesse, you just finished your fourth week-long training with John. So I mean, you are, once again, speaking of all-in as you went to start this journey of being an entrepreneur and starting a business that could leverage your experience in life and your knowledge and your skills and your expertise to serve others and give you that life of freedom. You're living the miracle equation, if you will, right? Where you are, you had unwavering faith that you could do it. So you quit your job mm-hmm. and you are putting forth extraordinary effort by becoming highly skilled. In fact, as I'm saying that, I'm like, man, we should have talked more about the <laughs> framed your story through the miracle equation today. But no. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, so it's really, I'm just, I honor you uh, for the work that you're doing. And I really, for anybody listening, I hope that Jesse's story will inspire you or has inspired you to step out out of your comfort zone, whether that starts with a cold shower. But ultimately, I hope it leads to you living your dreams. And if that involves quitting your job, let Jesse uh, have gone, you know, led by example of what is possible when you do step out on faith, when you're willing to go all in, when you do whatever it takes to make that transition and you leave behind what you might currently be tolerating for the better version of your life that you want and that you really do deserve. So. Jesse, thank you for always just contributing to other people and leading by example, my friend. Thanks, Al. Thanks for everything. Appreciate that. Absolutely, man. I really, I got a lot from uh, our conversation today. And uh, anybody listening, check out that video. It's, it's How long is it, Jesse? It's about around five minutes. Yeah, check out this video. You'll be blown away. Um, everybody at our retreat, at the Mastermind Retreat, was really just blown away by it as well. And it's recoveryfacilitation.com. Go check out that video. And yeah, Jesse, appreciate you. Goal Achievers. Love you, appreciate you. And uh, until next time, go out there and create some tangible, measurable miracles. And I will talk to you very, very soon. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. 